0: This week in agriculture, a presentation of the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick reporting. According to one veteran trader, we're in the midst of the busiest, most intense markets of his lifetime. Advanced Trading Risk Management Advisor Tommy Grisafi says this is very much a weather-driven trade.
1: This is not a demand-driven rally. This is not a war. This is that there is decent amount of grain left in the world, but Mother Nature... Really is throwing a curveball. And if you look at where prices were a month ago, I could see them in my head. I could see where the prices were Monday at my head. And for some of these commodities, they were dollars lower, especially in soybeans. Massive move in corn. Heck, even wheat. All three wheats have been a real dog. Border Trade wheat, KC wheat, Minneapolis wheat. They all went along for the ride.
0: With every change in the forecast seemed to be another change in the market's double digit gains pretty common and double digit losses the same the current market has been influenced by the trends of 1 month ago the chicago board of trade cme group markets
1: took out all the weather pro- all the weather premium by the end of may they had zero weather premium they said crops grown usda says 181 north dakota got it planted as you know we're going to have a record crop is 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 now That's not the case.
0: According to Agrosampo North American market analyst Sterling Smith, weather is just one of the factors in the market.
2: Not quite June 30th and the crop report yet, but we have that looming as well. Also, June 30th is the end of the quarter. And if I'm a commodity index fund and I've made some money, I need to roll and make my adjustments need to do it now before the liquidity dries up so we have a lot more, a lot of dynamics going on here besides just the profit taking getting back to the rain situation though we are looking at a dry forecast certainly here in eastern nebraska for the next ten days uh... after this little rain that we should supposedly get on saturday
0: the spring wheat is struggling with the heat, but there is a good chance we're going to be seeing some moisture to help that crop out. According to North Star Commodity Chief Analyst Mark Schultz, harvest pressure has kept the Kansas City wheat volatile.
3: Down here, I've got some customers even in Kansas that thought they started harvesting the wheat. Uh, what they thought was Given up, and it was uh, of yields were going to be extremely poor to almost ripping it up. Uh, it's turning into be 10 bushel, some as much as 15 bushel better than they thought. Still a poor crop. But it is not as bad as what they thought it was going to be. And that's what happened when you got rain just some 25 days ago, 30 days ago, that you picked up an abundant amount of moisture. So you can still salvage some here, but the rain is going to have to come pretty quick, especially for the spring wheat.
0: Allendale is forecasting 2023 corn acreage at 91.7 million acres. That's slightly below USDA's prospective plantings report in March. The commodity brokerage firm is projecting soybean acreage at $87.9 million, down about 400,000 acres from last, uh, the last USDA number. Allendale expects spring wheat acres to total $10.1 million, down 600000 from March. USDA will be releasing its uh, report on acreage on Friday, June 30th. The cattle business, certainly looking at a bigger feed bill, CHS market, uh, CHS Hedging Market Analyst Steve Wagner says that has been a factor for cattle futures. I do
3: think we're looking for a pullback, and then ultimately going into the fall, we'll see if this market can't put in new highs. I think we will. I think the demand will be good enough and the supply short enough that we'll see better numbers in the fall. But in the meantime, I think cattle get, uh, get brought back a little bit.
0: I'm Don Wick, this week in Markets. BearCerealExperts.com presents From the Desk of an Expert.
4: Hi, this is Anne in North Dakota. I've been having a heck of a time with kochia in my spring wheat, and I'm starting to see some other weeds.
0: Yes, kochia was a real problem last year due to drought. You may also be seeing other pigweeds emerging in your field, such as palmer amaranth. Thus, it's important to use a broad-spectrum herbicide.
2: I've seen water hemp, but palmer in the northern plains?
0: Unfortunately, it's an emerging threat. There's a great video on SerialExperts.com that goes into more
3: detail. Farm radio listeners are almost fanatically loyal to their favorite stations and broadcasters. They spend more time with radio than any other agricultural medium, twice as much time as they do reading farm magazines. As a member of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, we're committed to knowing our farm listeners. Only Farm Radio lets you share in this special relationship we have with our loyal audience. From the
2: Canadian border to Sioux Falls and Wadena to Rugby, we talk agriculture here on the Red River Farm
3: Network.
4: With a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor here on the Red River Farm Network. The state of California has pushed back the Proposition 12 implementation date until January 1st. Previously, farmers had until July 1st to come into compliance with the housing standards for pigs, egg laying hens, and veal calves. The California Department of Ag and Food sought the delay to provide a time of transition. In a statement, the National Pork Producers Council welcomed this news, but went on to say it is working with Congress to find a permanent solution to this issue. After the Supreme Court upheld California's Proposition 12, economists are analyzing the effects on the market and producers. National Pork Producers Council consulting economist Steve Meyer says there's been mass confusion following the Prop 12 ruling.
2: We're hearing that there are some packers that uh, probably beginning next week are not going to be shipping any non-compliant product into California. And if that's the case, um, you know, we think we're limited to about half the number of sows that would have traditionally provided the product for California. So, uh, you know, if if that's the case, legal pork supplies in California will be down by half, and that other half of the product that normally went in there will have to find a home somewhere else. So, um and there's not a lot of clarity on this at the moment um, and uh, I wish there was a lot more um, but uh, we're not we're not seeing much
4: Meyer expected the pork market outside of California to have an excess of marketable product California uses about 14 percent of pork consumption in the us which equates to ten percent production of pork
2: obviously there are some market ramifications of that I mean number one is you know if there's not enough sales compliant house sows out there to produce that much pork, then they're going to be short pork. And if those sows, you know, that are in normal housing or they're producing pork that used to go to California, that means we have a a surplus in the rest of the country. And now in the short run, you know, one of the things that could be happening here, uh, we've had a little run-up in the cutout value the last couple of weeks, and you could see some people stocking up on product because they think that CDFA has given the coverage to sell non-compliant product until their July 1 inventories are gone.
4: EPA has released a statement following their final renewable fuel standards ruling, saying the new standards will reduce reliance on foreign sources of oil by roughly 130,000 barrels of oil per day between 2023 and 2025. EPA Administrator Michael Regan says that, Wednesday's final rule reflects efforts to ensure stability of the program for years to come and protects consumers for years to come. Growth Energy General Counsel Joe Kakish says EPA vastly undercut the numbers.
3: EPA has failed to meet the promise of the RFS by low, you know, not advancing biofuels as far as it could and it should in this final rule. In, in our view, you know, the RFS has been a very successful clean energy policy. But for whatever reason, EPA has chosen to leave climate reductions on the table, in particular with the implied conventional fuel category. And I think the balance that EPA tried to strike in this rule really was in some ways a failure of imagination to really see what value our industry continues to provide and will provide into the future.
4: Kekish says the EPA was a little too late to release final numbers for 2023.
3: The RFS establishes these volumes to create signals for markets to meet them. The first issue is the lateness of the rule. So for 2023, we're already halfway through the year. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much this market-spurring um, legislation is will further spur the market when it doesn't reflect aspirational volumes to in, implement congressional intent. Um, and also with respect to the 2024 and 2025 volumes, EPA is in many ways combining advanced and conventional categories in in ways that aren't really contemplated by the statute.
4: And that's a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network.
3: Hail insurance is a critical part of your risk management plan. Here at Egg Country Farm Credit Services, our loan officers and insurance specialists work together to give you the best combination of risk management tools and hail insurance options. We'll analyze coverage levels and compare them to the cost of production and the crop revenue potential. Then we'll customize a hail plan to your specific operation. Contact your local Egg Country office to learn more.
0: Tuning in to the latest market report, monitoring an incoming storm. Catching your favorite morning show. These are just a few of the reasons more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio each month. And did you know AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping the public safe in dangerous times? This is Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network urging you to text AM to 52886. Tell Congress we need
3: AM radio in your car and truck. This is Ryan Kloster with Wilber Company. We believe strong partnerships make every season more successful and building a good base for your nutrient program will take your crops to the next level. That's why we deliver innovative solutions like Tillic Kilowatt, formulated with potassium acetate, fulvic acid, and micronutrients. This fertilizer provides a strong foundation for superior nutrient uptake, improved stress tolerance, and increased yield potential. Dedicated to customer partnerships, the team at Wilbur Ellis is here to provide a winning solution like Tilak Kilowatt to set you up for a successful season. Reach out to our Grand Forks team today to see what the power of we can do for you.
1: The Red River Farm Network delivers market information, but it's more than just the numbers. We talk with traders, market analysts, weather forecasters, the people in the know. From Rugby to Benson and Roseau to Aberdeen, the Red River Farm Network covers agriculture. Go online to rrfn.com to find your local Red River Farm Network radio station. Podcasts are also available online at rrfn.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. When it's important to your bottom line, you'll get the entire story on the Red River Farm Network. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Crop moisture stress will remain a serious concern over the coming week for the heart of the Corn Belt. World Weather Incorporated says weekend rains are expected to be sporadic and too light to cause any meaningful soil moisture improvement for Illinois and Missouri and the surrounding areas. The Northern Plains, however, will see better rains with significant soil moisture improvement across the Dakotas and Minnesota, World Weather Incorporated says total moisture will vary with the eastern Dakotas and western Minnesota seeing anywhere from an inch and a half to three and a half inches. Latest U.S. drought monitor map continues to show increasing drought across the Midwest, Northern Plains, and the eastern Corn Belt. 60% of North Dakota, 78% of South Dakota, 92% of Minnesota are abnormally dry or worse. 64% of the U.S. corn crop is in drought. Lack of moisture and heat continues to take its toll on the crops across the northern plains. In the Barnesville, Minnesota area, Ryan Haug says the barley actually fared better than the wheat.
0: Been
2: dry this spring uh, locally here. We, we've been missing a lot of the, the popcorn showers that have been coming through. Uh, and then with this, uh, this extra warm weather we've been having, I guess uh, we've been kind of pushing those small grains along really quite fast. Uh, and, and the, the barley has actually seemed to, to fare a little bit better than the wheat uh, through this heat uh, for some reason but uh, certainly certainly get pushed along here so
1: and haug says the corn though is in pretty tough shape corn crop nationwide was rated 55 percent good to excellent last monday that's down from 61 percent the previous week this rating is the lowest for the corn for this date since 1988 of the soybeans are in the good to excellent category, down 5% from the previous week. 15% of the winter wheat has been harvested. That's up 7% from the previous week. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says 10% of the spring wheat was headed as of last Sunday.
3: We are watching those condition numbers, which show for spring wheat, 51% good to excellent, 12% very poor to poor. It's actually a pretty sharp drop from last week, 60% good to excellent, and 7% very poor-to-poor. And that puts us pretty well below last year's numbers, 59% good to excellent, 6% very poor-to-poor. Biggest trouble spots at this point due to some of the heat and dryness. South Dakota, 26% of the spring wheat very poor-to-poor, 19% in Washington State, 16% in Minnesota,
1: The weekly crop progress report released last Monday says corn conditions in North Dakota took a tumble. 63% of the corn considered in the good to excellent category, that's down 14% from the previous week. 55% of North Dakota's soybeans are rated good to excellent, down from 67% the previous week. 62% of the canola, 50% of the barley, 45% of the dry edible beans also said to be in good to excellent condition. Minnesota's crops are facing moisture stress as well. Despite that, 67% of the corn and soybeans are rated good to excellent. In both cases, that's down from 75% the previous week. 70% of Minnesota's spring wheat was jointed, 4% headed. 61% of the dry beans have a 61 have a good to excellent rating, blooming just beginning. Topsoil moisture in South Dakota rated 64% short to very short, according to USDA. Corn is rated 48% good to very good. That's down from 60% a week ago. 50% of the soybeans have that top rating, from down from 61% the previous week. 32% of the uh, spring wheat in South Dakota is in good to excellent condition. None of that crop warranted an excellent rating. Half of the spring wheat has headed. Let's look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan.